आई वी एम A house in Maharani Bagh worth 15 crores a lucrative partnership with Purushottam Bagheria and Kabul Chawla of Business Park Town Planners Limited a number of industrial and commercial plots of land in Noida at throw away prices allotted by the Mulayam Singh Amar Singh government these were just a few acquisitions made by YK Sabarwal's sons while their father the chief justice of india was pushing shopkeepers out of business hello and welcome my name is priya mirza and this podcast is the longest constitution about the constitution of india we are following up on the delhi ceiling case which kind of culminated in 2006 to 7 when the ceiling reached a stalemate with the delhi law special provisions act which legitimized shopping complexes in residential areas and has been extended periodically ever since leaving in its wake death disaster and uncountable losses but just as the dust was settling in may 2007 the delhi edition of the evening paper midday published investigative stories making these allegations about sabarwal's sons as well as his judicial misconduct and this is what the article said that as a result of justice sabarwal's sealing orders people were forced to move their shops and businesses to malls and commercial complexes which pushed up prices which helped sabarwal's sons and their partners financially and materially and these allegations weren't fabricated Each of these was subsequently corroborated by the Committee for Judicial Accountability which is an organization that counts senior lawyers, retired judges, professors, journalists and activists as its patrons which meant that it was as solid as it gets as Arunthati Roy pointed out this was a scandal in the palace but what does the judiciary do when a mirror is held up to its ugliness okay now on to our weekly bite about aadhar Okay so why do we have aadhar cards again oh uh, let me check because the government claimed that a large number of indians were denied welfare benefits because people did not have identity documents and for this they relied on biometric data as the one true final proof of one's identity biometric data fingerprints iris scans and those photos that we will never put up on instagram but on a serious note the entire plan is dependent on many valuable variables such as not only the fingerprint quality of a person but good fingerprints quality during enrollment working scanners during authentication internet connectivity various backend servers configured by service providers that work reliably this is india and every delhi wala has faced internet snags so think about rural areas with lesser or no internet connectivity but let's just stick to the first one fingerprint quality the quality of one's fingerprints are not reliable at all they can be in fact damaged and hard to read even if you have dry skin and especially for people in manual labor construction workers people working in fields and factories stitching or sewing or scavenging So in a report submitted by the UIDAI the Aadhaar guys admitted that 1.87% of the people participating in the study were found to have fingerprint quality not sufficient for fingerprint authentication so imagine 1.87% of 110 crore people that's a lot of humans 
to be kept out of the system. And that's not membership for the Gymkhana Club, okay? But stuff which are like daily needs like food, a child's midday meal, an LPG subsidy. Remember the poor we are talking about who aren't shopping on Amazon while lying in bed? And this actually happened and happens frequently. So going by government data in 2015 to 16 in Rajasthan, of a total of 98 lakh ration beneficiaries, only 44 lakh, that's 45%, could get their rations after being verified by the POS machines. Because their fingerprints had cuts, abrasions, and the machines were not verifying their authenticity. So go home hungry because your fingerprints are not top-notch. Or because of the work that you do, and this was a system supposedly to fix leaks. Ah. Okay, now on to privacy. Shilpa Shetty, the actress, was having an affair with a married man. Maybe she could tune into my first episode of The Longest Constitution, which was on adultery, incidentally. It's always good to know the law. Okay, so the year is 2000, and a magazine publishes articles which refer to the actress's private life. Now, interestingly, Shilpa Shetty mentioned this in an interview herself. But does that give reason for a magazine to write salaciously about her life? So she filed a case in 2001, challenging the right of the magazine to write about her private life. And we saw in the previous episode, it is tricky to balance freedom of expression and of privacy. Of course, journalists and writers must be able to write and express but what if it comes at the cost of a person's privacy and dignity? There is a Lakshman Rekha between one's private life and public life, which is hard to draw. So for example, what about writing a biography? Can one never write anything about anybody's private life? Speaking of Lakshman Rekha though, what happened to the midday journalists? The whistleblower journalists of midday was sentenced to four months imprisonment for contempt of court by the Delhi High Court. There is sufficient material to hold them guilty of contempt of court. The Supreme Court judgments have laid down a Lakshman Rekha which the publication has crossed. So said the division bench comprising of Justice R.S. Sodhi and Justice B.N. Chaturvedi. Contempt of court? What is contempt of court? So contempt of court is one of the reasonable restrictions on the right to expression under Article 19, Part 2, one of the eight restrictions on the freedom of expression. And contempt of court covers a wide range of actions, from lowering the dignity of court to discussing a matter which is subjudice, which means a matter which is being considered in court, to anything which adversely affects public opinion of the court. Apart from that, there is also a statutory law, the 1971 Contempt of Courts Act, which makes it both a criminal and civil offence. And like defamation, we will decode contempt of court in the subsequent episodes. Alright, now on to judicial independence. How does one achieve it? And we saw in the Sankal Chand Himatlal Seth case of 1977, the court ruled that in matters of appointment and transfer, that what the constitution requires is consultation with the Chief Justice, not his concurrence with the proposed transfer, and that the Chief Justice plays a decisive role in this matter. Okay, now the year is 1981, and a circular is issued by the Union Law Minister, which recommends the redistribution and transfer of High Court judges, which brought up the matter again, Pirse, and this was challenged in court. What happened to Shilpa Shetty? 
In Shilpa Shetty versus Magna Publications 2001, the Bombay High Court injuncted newspapers from publishing articles about her multiple and possibly adulterous sexual relations, thereby upholding her right to privacy and contributing to the growing jurisprudence of privacy rights in India. Meanwhile, in the judicial independence case in SP Gupta versus Union of India 1981, a seven-judge bench observed that the central government is entitled to come to its own decision as to which opinion it should accept, which basically allowed the government a primary role in this matter and the court dismissed the petitions. Hmm. But if that is the case, that would seriously affect the constitutional emphasis on judicial independence, wouldn't it? So today's takeaways are, Aadhaar was allegedly for the poor, but definitely ain't working for the poor. The midday journalists pointed out the truth, but was sent to jail on grounds of contempt of court. The balance between privacy, freedom of speech and public interest is a constantly evolving one. Lastly, India's judicial independence has seen quite a journey. The SP Gupta case allowed the government complete control in their appointment, but that was reconsidered soon after. More on all of this in the next episode. If you have questions or comments, please send them in via email. That's the longest constitution at gmail.com. You can also rate my podcast at Spotify and drop a review at Apple Podcasts and can also reach out to me on Twitter, where I am at fundamentally P or on Instagram, the longest constitution. Until next time, this is me, Priya Mirza, signing out. Mm-hmm.